This podcast comes to you from Carlton Community Church in Nottingham. We hope this message encourages and equips you in your daily walk with God. Morning. There's a few preachers in the room. No pressure. I've got three jobs to do. Say something to these people, because we're marking their retire with a Y-ment. Putting new treads on the tires. And it's all right, John. Been there, bought that ticket. It's all right. He's still faithful. Then we need to say something to this congregation which we'll carry on saying next week. And then we ought to say something to everybody, because you've all come. And we've got to do that in 20, maximum 25 minutes, so we better get started, haven't we? It was 1976. I checked, we checked up with Kathy yesterday. I, I was pretty sure I got an old diary out, but I couldn't just land it. When Roy Eccleston and I took two teams to... Southern Ireland, to Cork. Uh, it is absolutely untrue that Cathy begged him to marry her. <laughs> but they did fall in love, and they did hear the voice of God. It would be true to say of Johnny was not born with a silver spoon in his mouth. <laughs> and what you see, without being in any way rude or derogatory, is a serious work of the grace of God. I wrote some years ago, and I was reading it again yesterday and today, uh, some comments about the Old Testament priesthood, that these people were set apart. They were set apart to carry the ark, the presence of God, to stand before the Lord to minister and to pronounce blessings in his name. And I wrote underneath, in the New Testament priesthood, we are a priesthood of believers, but there are those who are set apart in ministry. And they still do it today. And the most important thing I want to say about John, not just the grace of God that's worked in the ordinary things of his life, but he is a man of God who has carried the ark, who has stood before the Lord to minister and pronounce the blessing of God over people. A man of God, a man of prayer, and a man of the scriptures. I read another quote that was part of those notes that I made those years ago, which was a Tozer quote from his book, The Pursuit of God, page 70 and 71, those of you who've got it. The voice which has not been silenced since the dawn of creation but is sounding still throughout the full far reaches of the universe. The word of God is quick and powerful. In the beginning, he spoke to nothing and it became something. Chaos heard it and became order. Darkness heard it and became light. And God said, and it was so. And John believed this even in those very early days when he was given responsibility in the lunchtime service where 
He got a lifelong friendship with Steve Wendells and yeah. others. Numbers of us were there. Very short service, soup in the winter and a salad in the summer. And 20 minutes of a meeting, Eric Madison with his bald head playing the piano. Nobody ever played the piano like Eric. <laughs> and John was given the privilege often to preach. And he learned how to say something meaningful in 10 minutes. And for those of you who, who speak quite a lot, the less time you've got, the better you've got to be. And he learned that all those years and over 45 plus years now, we delight to have seen the grace of God. He has been diligent and applied himself to every task in life, including years ago, he was learning how to use the computer and on and on it went. And he's been a caring pastor. For those, some of the dying people in this congregation this year, an exemplary man of God going very frequently to hospitals to hold the hand and care for those who are passing into eternity. And let me say, this is not forgotten, for there is a better record being kept by a better person in a better place. Kathy, you've been a fantastic helpmeet. Whatever else has been said before, I wrote this down earlier, you've been utterly dependable, incredibly practical in all the ordinary things of life, and some people have missed the fact over the years that you've been deeply spiritual and very wise. And we honor you. And the sight of your children here is the proof of the grace of God and that you've modeled something wonderful. We praise the Lord. There is so much more we could say. I was just reflecting in prayer. John's told part of that story at that number three bus stop and how when he prayed the prayer the next morning, which was his normal routine on a Sunday to go to mass and then play football. And when he played football, he swore a lot. And on that Sunday morning, when the other lads kicked him, he didn't swear and he knew his life was changed. This is the gospel we believe in. And this is the gospel we preach and he's preached it all his life and he'll keep preaching it. Now, a simple word to the church. I had no idea that John had been speaking about the past and the future in the context of Abraham. I've been reading that in my daily readings uh, this last few weeks, reading through the Bible in a year. And, and I will say something more about this next week briefly. When Dorothy and I married 58 years in, in April, we came from very different backgrounds. We, we were both Christians, but she'd been brought up in a family that didn't travel. Uh, they lived in Manchester and she'd not been very far. I think she'd been as far as Scarborough or Herne Bay Court. Uh, and that was about it. And, and I was brought up in a preacher's house and, and had lived all over the country by the time I was 11. But we went and stood in front of the church in Carmel Pentecostal Church in Denton and we joined our lives together. And although we had a different past, we had a shared future. And this church needs to grasp the truth of that. This congregation has a long history. It's the oldest Pentecostal church in this city. And Remy's congregation is a relatively young one, full of vibrancy and dynamism. And this isn't 
you know, an, an old person marrying a young person, you, that, that's, don't take the illustration that far. But understand that we have to learn and take the wisdom of yesterday, but we need to be excited together about a shared future. Yes? Because those who've led both these congregations believe that this is the right thing to do in the right time. So this isn't just some sort of contractual thing that we're doing here. It's something covenantal, and with that comes responsibilities in the favor of God. Everybody understand that? I also want to say to the church and to all of us, in reading in the Gospels this week in Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus is doing just amazing things. He's healing blind people, raising the dead, casting out demons, and it just seems to just go on and on and on. And then he says this in verse 35, that he looked on the crowd with compassion. We all need compassion as we serve the Lord. And he saw the people were harassed and helpless. And that's the world we live in. We are surrounded by a world full of harassed and helpless people. And then he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So it's a challenge to all of us to find that compassion. And like John's friend at the number three bus stop, who knew nothing about the Lord other than that he knew the Lord, told him all he knew. And I've said this all my life. For everyone in the discipleship game, all we're called to do is pass on what we've got. Not, Not tell people because we haven't got it. And as you grow older, you'll thank God for what you've got and what you can do, not what you haven't got or what you can't do. Yes? We need to pass it on. We need to be compassionate in sharing the good news of Jesus and may the evangelistic fervor of past years be captured again in the life of this joining church that we see many, many people come to know our Savior, Jesus. Amen? Here's the Bible. It's been the Bible already, but here we go. Verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 26. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. This is the word of the Lord. So what I want to say to all of us, preachers from different parts of the world, people from all over the country, and local people, the message is entirely the same for all of us. We live in times where, and it has ever been so actually, where we have no prediction for the future. We cannot determine the future. I stood in the chip shop yesterday to buy some fish and chips, and a man in front of me was telling the chip shop, who's a Greek Orthodox Christian, telling him the sad news. He went to a belated birthday party yesterday for his 30-year-old nephew, who wasn't there because last year, and they'd had a, an inquest the day before, because he'd been killed in a work accident 
working at a wood lathe and the wood split and killed him instantly. We have no idea of the future. On the Friday before Christmas, we got news that our oldest grandson, Edward, had had a crash on the A1 coming home from Cambridge. The car spun round and landed six feet from the other carriageway and nobody was hurt. We say, thank you, Lord. So what do we do if we're thinking wise people when we can't control tomorrow? We haven't got it. John and Kathy haven't got tomorrow. They're stepping out into a situation that they've never had before. It'll be different. This church and the congregation that comes to join next week will be starting on a new journey. Each of us for our tomorrow, is it back to school? Tomorrow? Mm. You, you look really excited about that. Unpredictable. The future, we, we can't control it. So what are we going to do with it? This is what the Bible says we have to do. Faced with any level of uncertainty, which we're all going to face, we need to recognize that he, that's the you, will keep in perfect shalom. Nothing broken, nothing missing. He will keep in perfect shalom those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in him. It's a very simple message I leave with you. We have a promise. We have a promise. We have many promises, but in this context, we have a promise that he will keep us in perfect peace. You say, but I'm not sure how this, I don't know where I'm gonna fit into this new congregation when it all joins together. You might be saying that. That's got nothing to do with it. If God has brought this thing together, he's going to work it all out. He will keep everybody in perfect shalom. That's his. That's, only he can do that. Nobody else can manufacture that. We can go through all the therapies that are available in the world, but nothing will come close to his perfect peace. And those who lay hold of the promise are those who practice what he tells us to do. Those whose minds are steadfast. They're focused on him. I wrote a lot of years ago now that my mind is my business, your mind is your business, so you'd better mind and I'd better mind my own business because nobody else is going to sort out your business, your mind. You have the power to control that's we need to take every thought captive. We need to renew our minds constantly in the scriptures and maintain a trust and a confidence in the God of this text. It goes on to say, just in the last little verse, before I come to the last stanza, in verse 4, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. He is the utterly unchanging, utterly perfect, does all things perfectly well, even though we don't understand some of his timings and choices. 
He will look after us if we maintain our minds in steadfast trust of him. And all manner of things will come to buffet you. All manner of things. But what else are we going to trust in? Are we going to trust in job security or a bank account? Or our friends or institutions, including the church? No, all these things will fail us at one level or another. But he who is the rock eternal will never move. And we can put our full trust in him. And as someone who's lived almost 80 years, I can assure you of this. That if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else, everything else will be added to you. So we have a promise, he will keep us in perfect peace. And we need to practice as those who keep their minds steadfast on him. Because, and we have a reason for it all, because they trust in him. Trust means simply they have confidence in. Yeah. Put your trust in. Can I use you again? You have to stand up this time. And you'll have to be really strong. All right? I mean really strong. Put your hand up. I am going to lean on you. All right? So you get yourself. You might need your dad's hand behind you. So the idea of trust is you come to the point where I'm still standing on my two feet here. There's not much weight here. But if I fully trust, I'm going to start leaning to the point where I'm really leaning. She's doing fantastic. <laughs> that if she moves, I'm on the floor. That's what we're talking about. We're going to trust in the Lord who is the rock eternal. And for this congregation, for every individual, for John and Kathy, for all of us who will put these simple truths into practice, we can be assured that he will keep us in perfect peace. These ideas of trust and peace, they're all over the Bible. I read in my own devotions this morning, Psalm 13 says, but I trust in your unfailing love. I also read this morning in Proverbs 3, her ways, speaking about wisdom, are pleasant and all her paths are peace. The idea of peace and trust, they go hand in hand together. As we, the righteous who come through the open gate, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. It's been an honor and a privilege to speak in this part. A lot of people will say what they need to say later, I'm sure, but thank you very much for the privilege. In every rights of service situation, we must always open the Bible because this is the book of our lives, yes? in the book of this man's life and our lives and uh, you will not fail if you put your trust in him. Amen.